Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Juliet Herman. She's the owner and founder of Fit Out Academy. You don't need to fit in before you can learn how to fit out. She's going to teach you more about that today. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Sitting down with Juliet Herman. She is the boss, the owner, the CEO of Fit Out Academy. And she's going to be talking today about why you don't want to fit in before you fit out. Juliet, I am so happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Blake. People don't know that we've been talking about 20 <laughs> minutes. That was our intro. And then we said, let's just record this. So well, I'm over here like giggling as I'm like talking to you. And I'm like, I like this person. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we have to actually record this yes, episode, right. <laughs> which, you know, here's the deal. Let's just I, I just got to go ahead and say this. Isn't like isn't just the digital world so great that you and I have never met each other before? Yeah. We jump on a call and like immediately we're laughing, we're talking yep. about business. And it's like, it's like, man, it's so cool how you can maintain that human element, even though, even with people you've never met before, you've never seen True. before. It's just, we live in a wild world. It's crazy. Yeah. We even came up with an invention, but we'll hold that Oh, off. yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to give away, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't give away the secret sauce. Just right. yet. Otherwise, we'll, yeah, they'll take the money and run. That's right. Now, maybe a good place. Now, we're going we're gonna to dive into your story. I want to know sure. about Fit Out Academy. I love the concept. Before we do that, since we're already kind of talking about just this energy between the two of us, let, let's start with LinkedIn, if that's okay. Sure. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, how did you get into LinkedIn? What's been your experience with LinkedIn? I'm sure we both are, we've both drank the Kool-Aid on LinkedIn. Yep. You know, let, share a little bit with me about your experience with the platform. So I actually joined a long time ago because I used to work back when I was at PR Newswire. Um, I headed up a, um, an expert network that connected the media with, uh, that were looking for sources with experts that were looking for um, publicity. And I was told, you know, you really need to join LinkedIn. I really didn't know anything about it. I just slapped a profile up there. A few of my colleagues connected. I said, oh, you're connecting? Okay, fine. And that was it. I literally ignored it for a very long time. And then a little bit over a year ago, I started using the platform more actively and I started posting. Mm. Um, and it's been a very interesting ride and I will use the term ride um, because as you're probably alluding to, I think it's very, it's beneficial for businesses. It's beneficial not just for solopreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, um, but also for big businesses. Uh, the difference is that I think you benefit the most when you are a content creator, like what mm. you and I do, mm -hmm. um, in that it enables you to have a voice and share your thoughts on the platform. I personally am a believer in being authentic and speaking about your message versus trying to get popularity. 
Mm. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the opposite. That's just not what I'm about. Mm. Um, so I think LinkedIn serves a purpose for both people. It's kind of interesting for me. So the only thing I'd say it's becoming a little Facebooky, but I still think it's a great platform for um, those of us that really want to make connections. I've made some of my closest friends from it as well, interestingly enough. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have met some amazing, like people where I, I think like, wow, that is like going to be a lifelong connection yes. for sure. Yes. You know, going to your Facebook comment, it, it, it feels like there's an opportunity. There's so much noise right now on the platform. Yes. And, you know, it's funny, you called me a content creator. I don't know how, if you feel this way. I, I never thought of myself as ever becoming something like that. Correct. But it's, it's been the main way I've branded my business is I just give, I just share what I think is right about business and I guess content form and people tend to, they seem to like it, right? And so it's, it's, it's become this amazing platform, but it does feel like people are, you know, they're, fo- and this is on any platform, you know, people who are following the numbers and the vanity metrics and um, did you see that story, by the way, of the um, Instagram influencer? She had like, I don't know, 2 million followers and she couldn't, she like came out with, uh, she came out with this, I don't know, t-shirt. I, I'm butchering the story. <laughs> she had a product, okay? Okay. And she tried to sell it and she only sold 36 shirts. No. And it became this massive story on, and it was like, wow. is influencer marketing dead? Is influencer yes. culture dead? And for me, it's the insight's less about influencers and it's more about you know, the people who are chasing these exorbitant numbers yes. which make them feel really good, but they aren't really actually building a tangible brand. Absolutely. And I think, I think, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's a great point because I know people who are so intent on, on focusing on those who are considered influencers, but in actuality, I looked at an article, I think it's, I didn't even realize, I, that a, above a certain number, I think it was 20,000, you're considered a micro-influencer and then it went up the pyramid. And I thought, <laughs> I don't even like to think of myself that way because I'm quite humble. Yeah, and that yeah. just, you know, when people brag about, I reach this number, I reach 30, I reach 40, you'll never see me do that. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not my brain. It's not who I am. Yeah. Um, and so to me, it's, it's truly just a number. And what are you doing with it? Because I actually know someone, I'm not going to out him, but he has less than 10,000 followers. He has made, he makes like half a million a year and he gets all of his clients from LinkedIn. So, you know, he's just, he's a smart business person and he's not bragging and he's Mm. connecting with the right people. Mm -hmm. And also what I've learned is that there are far more lurkers Mm. than there are um, people who are actually commenting on your posts. So I've had people approach me whether I've spoken to them in advance or I've reached out to them or they've reached out to me, Blake, and they've actually said, oh, I saw this post that you did and they go into great detail. And I think, wow, I didn't even see them on my post. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they actually, or at the very least, they're checking out your content right before they get into a, on a phone call with you or into a meeting. So I think that's a note to everyone. If your brand is all about kindness, that's wonderful. But think about, are you, are you interested in monetizing that? Mm-hmm. And if you are, what is your angle on that? Well, and I, you know, it's funny because people seem to, there's almost like a wariness on this topic of, yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to lose my soul by monetizing. Yes. And it's like, yeah. well, and I don't know if it's just people's beliefs about money. I don't know if there's like guilt there or shame there, but 
I, I think you nailed the head. Nailed the head. You nailed the. <laughs> what's the expression? Oh my gosh! You, you nailed it on the head. You hit the nail on the you head. Hit the nail on the head. Oh my gosh! That took two of us <laughs> to get there. <laughs> Now, see, now people are thinking about that product we mentioned, thinking like, you guys can keep it. You know, That's we, right. <laughs> we're not interested. <laughs> so it's, you, you hit the nail on the head because it's these people who, and, you, and, and I'm sure you see this a lot too, but people who like they're growing not just their personal brand, but also companies who are trying to grow their corporate brands. Yes. And they're really excited and energized around the number, like the follower number. Yes. So they're, they're chasing that number. But the point you just made is sometimes we have this misunderstanding that that number correlates to actual dollars. But just exactly. as you mentioned, there can be a no name, nobody on LinkedIn mm-hmm. who's crushing it. And I just saw a guy who literally a guy posted like two days ago, this guy has 30,000 plus followers. And he said he's taking a minimum wage job to basically pay his bills. It was kind of a sympathy post, okay. but, and which, and I sympathize. But at the same time, I thought, okay, what's the disconnect? Because you have such a platform here. I don't know where I'm going with this, other than just I think you've I think you've nailed it. Yeah, it's it's there isn't necessarily a direct correlation. And by the way, I am one of those people who. It's funny that I said that on a podcast. I'm not one of those who likes to talk about the ways to monetize it, but at the end of the day, you know, it's what are your purposes for being on LinkedIn? I'm mm-hmm. very candid. My purposes are twofold. Number one is to do business, to attract clients, to form partnerships. I put that all in one bucket. And the other, truthfully, is to make friends and meet terrific people like you. You never know where someone would be, whether it's Arkansas or whatever state it's in or what other country it's in. And so to me, it's, it's truly a great platform for both of those, mm-hmm. um, for both of those resources. So I would encourage everyone to reach out for both reasons to whomever they're interested in. Worst case scenario, you have one conversation and okay, it's just one conversation <laughs> and just move on. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much, it's so much better than on, than the online presence because online is not, is not necessarily authentic. I know everyone loves to talk about authenticity, but is it really authentic because you are very, we are all aware that we're being watched and we are all aware that, that there is interpretation of the written word. But when you actually speak to someone, you can see, do you have chemistry? What are they like? I met um, someone in person who's an influencer and um, it was definitely wasn't just a bad day. I could not, I tried for five minutes to talk to her. Mm. I mean, we were at a networking event. She came mm. to a networking event, mm. sole purpose to meet other people. Mm-hmm. And she was like a deer in headlights. No one could talk to her. And I find it really interesting. But online and on her videos, she's very articulate. She's fun. And mm-hmm. I thought that was not a bad day. That's just who she is. But when she's online, she feels safe and comfortable. But it's interesting. I, I wish everyone could just be themselves, whether it's online or offline. And you are who you are, which leads me to what I do. It's all about discovering your uniqueness. Who are you really? Mm-hmm. Because when you actually understand who you are and you understand what your innate behaviors are, um, you can actually use that to your benefit. You can live comfortably. You could feel more fulfilled. And then also discover during times of adversity, those same strengths become your weaknesses, your kryptonite. Um, And you know in advance, uh uh-oh, I'm getting into this rough period, whatever that situation may be, stress at work, relationships, home life, um, whatever the upheaval is, 
I know this behavior is going to creep up and hurt me. So what are the tools that I have in my toolkit in order to deal with that? So I just wish everyone was aware of who they are right. so you can actually live who you are. Well, and maybe, I mean, you just gave a lot of great information. Maybe we can back up just a little bit sure. and, unpa- and just unpack it a little bit because just, just starting with the first sentence there, knowing who you are, your uniqueness, your giftings, your pattern, I feel like so many people get tripped up right there. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't feel like it's a maturity piece. Like I, I've, I've talked to plenty of like 18, 19, 20 year olds who are like, I don't know what to do with my life. And I'm like, yeah. you'll get there. Yeah. I, I also talk to people who are in, not even in their 20s, they're in their 30s, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s. And they, they have those feelings. And, they, and coupled with that is a guilt of, oh my gosh, like I still haven't figured this thing out. Why are people, and, and it's not their fault, but why are, it's almost like this, um, it's like a disease. It's like, why are so many people like going through life without having that self-awareness and that sort of light bulb of their identity? I think, well, two things that you uncovered. I, I've, I've learned that it doesn't matter how old you are because if you are growing, you are learning. And if you're not learning, then you're not growing. So they are absolutely direct, directly correlated. And what that means is that you are transforming because if you don't allow yourself to change, then again, you are not growing and you're stagnating. But with that said, your behaviors are formed between the ages of three and five. Those will not change. Your skills can change every six months. Your strengths, your, your, you know, all of that can be developed, but the behaviors, it is who you are. So why are people unaware? I think because people are afraid to look behind the curtain. Mm. I, you know, we all have strengths. We all have what I call addictions. Now, when I say addiction, some people, I don't, I don't just mean physical. I mean emotional. We all have these tendencies, whether it is um, really intense. You know, um, I have a lot of friends who are in the military, and they have brilliant, brilliant, brilliant skills. They've been taught great things. And I find that a lot of them are very intense, which is great. The strength in that is that they could do in a storm. They could do anything. They could at least do part of it in a storm. The weakness is that it's hard for them when the storm isn't going on to step out into, you know, off the battlefield, Mm -hmm. to just step into relaxation or whatever it may be. It's hard for them to just step back. So that's what I mean by an an addiction. An addiction could be that you always want to do, you always want to be on. You're so ambitious, you're overambitious. Another addiction can be you get anxious, you get nervous, you're a perfectionist. Um, you know, you, you tend to lean towards being sad or feeling self-defeated, whatever it may be, or you could just be so happy. So I tend to be very energetic. You picked up on that. I'm sure. Um, that is who I am. I wake up in the morning like this. I really, really do. Um, you know, for, for better or worse, this is how I am, but I am human. And there are times when I know that that may be a little too much. And so I've learned to kind of take that back read the room and say, you know what? I am an energetic person. The person I'm speaking with is not. Let me tone it down a bit. I'm still but, myself. So I'm very self-aware of that. L- let me, <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm, I'm, no, no, please. I apologize. It's just what you just said. I, I just have to pause there for a second because even some, so first of all, you sound incredibly emotionally intelligent. Oh, thank I mean, you. Talking to someone and, and being able to read them and be like, whoa, I need to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. Not, and not everyone can do that. And as I'm listening to you, because you've said, I've learned this, I've learned that. How did you learn that? Because I know a lot of people, it, 
you're, you're processing like the self-awareness piece of like recognizing, okay, I need to tweak here. I need to change there. But a lot of people don't even, they, they don't even have the objective view of themselves. You know, they're, they're in the weeds of their own life. How did you, I mean, has that always been the case for you in the sense of how you view yourself? You've always been reflective. I mean, how did you, how have you created that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So it's interesting because I think in hindsight, we are geniuses, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, you, you could always look back to time. I could actually remember being five years old and having this incredible sense of self-awareness and it scaring me because mm. I just remembered, no one taught me this. No one taught me that no matter what disarray was going on around me, my, my set point was, was just happiness and joy. And so I knew that I had to get back to that point because then I felt like me. Mm. I didn't feel like me in those other points. I know everyone wants to be happy, but that is that that does bring me joy, that inner smile. And I remember as a five-year-old thinking, bring it in from the inside. And again, no one taught me, you know, I didn't read it in a book. I just I instinctively knew that. And I had such self-awareness that it scared me because People around me didn't, um, especially as a child. And so I actually would try, start to intentionally ignore my instincts. Um, and I could name so many, I'm not going to do it now, but I could name so many parts in my times in my life when I had very strong instincts and I said, ooh, no, no, that can't be right. No, that can't be right. So then it came to a point when I was in my 20s where I thought, wait, these instincts, actually some of them are right. And so it was just a matter of me continuing to work on it, whether it was through classes at, in school. I remember in college taking um, Psych 101. I think everyone who's been to college, that's kind of a prereq. It was one of my favorite courses. Um, and there were a lot of things I learned. And one of them is about self-awareness and transference and projection and how you're projecting who you, you know, what you feel about yourself, um, any anything that you don't like about yourself. and how that really was a sign to change things. So that's when it all started. I'd say at 18, well, I started college at 17, so at 17. Um, but that's when it started to change for me. And it's just been this gradual progression. And now it's something I'm very aware of. I will also say that no matter what anyone tells you, I love when people say, oh yeah, I did that years ago. Oh, that happened years ago. Well, be honest with yourself. What the heck is going on now? <laughs> because if you are truly aware, there are things in your life, I'm not saying your life is miserable, I don't mean it that way, but there are things where you don't feel you even fit in with yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you need to figure out, well, is there a part of me that's fitting out because I'm not accepting it? Um, so again, that comes to just embracing who you really are, all of that complexity that that involves who you really are. So it is really just, it's, it's constantly a work in progress. I don't think for any of us, I don't care if you're a hundred years old, you should never stop learning about yourself, learning about the world around you and learning how to interact with other people. Because at the end of the day, it's how do you communicate with yourself? What's that internal voice in your head saying? Yeah. Um, what is your mindset and how are you reflecting that out to other people? That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm just taking it in. I, I, as I was listening to you also, I was thinking about people I know who they, they can visualize that person that they want to get back to yeah. in those circumstances. 
Mm-hmm. And even in like moments of brutal authenticity, they'll confide in me and say, I'm, I, I, I want to, like I, I need to. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know if it's just habits. I don't know if it's just busyness. You know, a year goes by and, and nothing's really, and I don't say that judgmentally because, you know, like you said, we all kind of have our addictions, the things that are hard to break. But I've always felt like there's a real magic between that kind of person. And then there's people who I really admire who they just identify a change that they want to make happen. And then they actually do it. They actually change it. You know, I I just, I'm not quite sure what trips us up that keeps us Mm -hmm. from actually making that change happen. I think, I think what it is, is life gets in the way that we feel that we need to reach a certain peak. So, oh, this is my goal. I need to reach X level by this age or this stage in my life. Oh, I'm not there yet. So I'm not going to worry about figuring out who I am. I just need to get there. You know, a common expression is I just need to do. And I, I feel that businesses do that as well. Um, when you're looking at a team and leaders, how are they communicating? Are they communicating based on what is prescribed what they believe should be done in order to be successful? Or are they communicating based on the vision and mission of the company? Are they communicating based on the individual personalities and unique behaviors of the team members, of the leader? How are they actually doing that? And and if they are doing that, then it is much easier to get to those levels. But for most people, I find that um, a lot of teams, whilst they say they're high performing, they're really not. Um, you know, they say they have synergy, but they really don't. They're actually performing as a group, not a team, because a group is comprised of individuals with individual goals that are not working together synergistically. They may have one overarching project goal, um, but they each have their individual responsibilities and they're not working in a collaborative fashion or working to support each other. Um, so let's say I finish my project first and you're on my team, Blake. Well, I should be checking in with you. If we have good team synergy, I should be checking in on you. You know what? I finished up a few hours early. Can I help you with anything? Or, oh, I'm, I'm still working on my project, but I came up with these learnings that I think would be applicable to you. So to me, that's what a team does. Um, and that's when you are synergistic. And I think that's the problem is that people, whether it's with themselves, are you really synergistic? Are you in sync with who you really are? Are you in sync with the other team members? Are you in sync with the leader? I think it, you know, and and just overall, are you bringing yourself to work? Because when you bring yourself to work, there should never be a separation between who you are at work and who you are at home. Let me, let me, let me tone that down a bit. Excuse me. There should be a little bit because again, I admit I'm very high energy. So Mm -hmm. I know that I can't be bouncing off the walls in a company meeting. (laughs) Um, So just, you know, modulate your tone based on who you're with, but still be yourself. I'm not going to be dour and unhappy in a meeting just to please everyone else in the room that I'm with. Um, But again, I I think that's a big thing that businesses forget that they're comprised of people. And if you are solely searching um, goal, you know, aiming for increasing business capital, especially nowadays, thank goodness, you will not do well. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays, companies are realizing that human capital is as important, if not more important than business capital. And you cannot have one without the other. Why is it such a disconnect sometimes for leaders? And maybe I shouldn't even call them leaders. I should say managers, really, right. or even owners. Yes. Uh, it, it, sometimes even like 
just think of the, the words you use, you know, we have synergy here. We hold people accountable here. You know, we really value our people here. I've, I've heard owners say those words and then you go talk to the frontline employee and they're like, no, <laughs> you know, there's this, there's this, it's almost like this huge Titanic gap between what the person at the top thinks and what's actually true for its people. What, what contributes to that gap in your mind? Well, I think what's interesting, you use the word true and that's really, it's, it's, Truth is very subjective, isn't it? So what I think is true, what I see through my rose-colored lenses, or it could be quite different than what you see. So it's always interesting. We've all had those, those um, leaders who have come up to us and said, oh, didn't, didn't the team do a great job? And you're thinking, okay, we made our goal, but no, we really, the way, the headaches that we put in just to get there, right. really, you know, we could have done, exceeded our goal by far. So it's always interesting to me that, that that truth is subjective. But the way that we, um, we, we work together is by acknowledging that we need to be honest with each other. We need to trust each other. So if we know that the person who is in charge of the organization is not um, really clued in with the rest of, of reality, shall we say, the reality of the workforce, then and doesn't want to be clued in, and we're able to have some sort of distance, yet we still enjoy working there, then we need to just accept that that's the case. That whenever we speak with that leader, we need to be a little more guarded um, and be respectful because that person does not want to be educated by us. Um, they just want to do business in the way that they've always done it and accept that as long as they're not getting in our way, then we can continue to work there. But in reality, we should all strive to be in organizations where people are self-aware, where, where there is some sort of 360, where at the very least you're able to give at least have one person who is your checks and balance system that tells you the truth about the way you're being perceived, the way you're delivering your message, because it can be very, in fact, I'm not even going to say it can be, it is very difficult to hear any sort of constructive criticism. I think for any of us, if we're honest, no one really likes it, but you value it if it's delivered in a manner that is not destructive. Mm -hmm. As long as it's meant for improvement versus destruction, then I welcome it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to be in organizations where everyone is, is taught to do that. And also, as, whether we're leaders or team members, let's create a safe space for mm -hmm. everyone to be honest with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want people to be honest with me. I, I always invite that. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean I like it again, but, but, it, but I, I appreciate that they've delivered the message. And sometimes it takes a moment where you need to be alone and sit back maybe a day later, two days later and say, you know what? Let me think about what Blake said to me. You know, that was really good feedback. I didn't like it, but he's right. And I'm going to be more aware so that next time I can improve because in reality, you were just giving me constructive criticism, which was meant to help me mm -hmm. and ultimately that, the team. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's, I think that's kind of, so someone was asking me what, what it kind of felt like was sort of a consistent problem in business today. And it feels like my answer is always candidness, but it's, yes. it's around this conversation of, do I actually tell people do I actually give them the feedback that they need to be successful, right? And when we yeah. think about, it's funny because I was working with a company, this would have been a, two or three years ago, 
we did like two hours on this topic of candidness mm. and I already knew they struggled with it. And at the end of it, they were like, yeah, yeah, we feel pretty good about this. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, like this is a no brainer. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, great. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you have it together. Well, the very next day I was in a one-on-one coaching with one of these people from this team and she was talking about a coworker who had really wronged her. And I was like, so are you going to, are you going to tell her? And she's like, oh God, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. I was like, where, uh, okay, we need to go back. Cause obviously this did not click. And hopefully since then I've gotten better at, at teaching this concept, but you know, it's weird how like we, we it's so much faster when you can have candidness in an organization yes. yet. I, I mean, I just had a friend of mine who she, she was getting some feedback from her boss and her boss said, well, I, it's really hard for me to be confrontational. So I wrote you this and it was like a five page letter on like what she needed to do differently. And I was like, my gosh, that is so awkward. And like, yes, what? it is. And five pages too. Wow. Yeah, that I'm would like, just make you feel horrible. It's like, it's a breakup letter. I'm yes, like, what is. Are you, like, what is this? You know, he's like, I'm just not good at confrontation. And I'm like, dude, it's your job to be yes. good. I mean, you are the boss, right? Yeah. And, and so it's, I think you've nailed it. It's like, there's this, if we could be more, um, hold each other more. And it's funny because we talk about like, well, how do we hold people more accountable? And it's like, well, that's such a fancy word for just giving feedback to each other. Absolutely. But instead, you know, we wait for the one year review and it's like, yeah. oh, well, I gotta, you know, I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. I think it's interesting because you mentioned accountability and I know that I have a friend of mine who's an accountability coach and that's becoming more prevalent. But in reality, and I think there is a place for that. I would say, Coaches are great. Um, I'm a big believer in coaching. I coach people. Um, you coach people. Um, also, though, everyone can be an accountability partner for someone else. You can be an accountability partner for a friend. You could be an accountability partner for a team member. You can be an accountability partner for the leader if the leader wants that one trusted person who's going to give them the honest feedback. And I think we should be doing that. Because we, we need to let people know, you know, you, you are going much slower than the rest of the team. How can the team help you? Do we need to take away some of your responsibilities? Or do you just need it to be shuffled? Or to my concept about fitting out, are you, have you been giving responsibilities that really are not based on who you really are mm -hmm. and what your unique behaviors and skills and passions are? Mm -hmm. And then let's reshuffle those and figure out what you're really good at it. because you may be really good at X, Y, Z. And the person who currently has those responsibilities may be great at what you're supposed to be doing. And if you just shift them, everyone benefits. So again, I would say accountability is so important nowadays. And again, if you're more comfortable with the term feedback, then use it because that is what it is at the end of the day. Well, I, I just know whenever someone asks me, hey, what can you do to help our accountability? What I usually read between the lines is you have people who are not performing the way you want them to. Yes. And what's usually always true is there's very little dialogue directly with that person. Uh, or it's, it's, you know, in some more toxic organizations, it's even punitive. Like what you just said is so admirable. And I think every leader should take that route of, okay, you're not fitting here. Let's find elsewhere in the organization that it clicks for you. I, th I think a lot of people are nervous around that topic because yeah. it's, you know, ship, ship them and forget them. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, 
it's not always, um, I guess, so culture centric, if I can put it that way. Unfortunately. I think it's also, a ma- I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, oh, that's it. I think it's also a matter of companies nowadays are embracing <laughs> diversity more. And I think there are many different forms of diversity, whether it is, it's not, it's, first of all, it starts with ideas. I mean, let's face it, it's the very basic, regardless of what the constituents are of, of the organization, it is truly based on diverse ideas. So if you want to innovate, you need to have people who are not, if it's an homogenous environment, there's no innovation. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So you want to have diverse ideas, but then take it a step further have diverse, have different genders, people from different countries, backgrounds, skill sets, whatever it may be, the more diversity you have, the better off the team is as long as you have a good leader that's able to assign the roles as we just discussed based on the unique behaviors and unique talents, uh, unique skills, et cetera, but also is able to give support and training such that the team is working synergistically instead of let's say there's 20 people on the team, 20 people going in different directions and not working together. Mm -hmm. So that's where diversity needs to be, have some sort of check and balance system such that it is still working together whilst being diverse. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been wonderful. I would not do you justice if I didn't ask specifically about your business and and give you some some time to talk a little bit about that journey. Because actually, I don't know how... Fit Out Academy came to be. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Obviously, you are incredibly well uh, qualified. You know, you've already shared some really great insights with the audience already. Talk to me a little bit about you know how your business came to be and, and really sure. what you're doing today. So my background is very diverse. Um, I started out. I've, I've worked in retail and financial services, um, in technology and consumer products. And the one commonality between all of those businesses was that everything I did was very diverse. So I never really felt, I was always looking for how I could fit in to both the organization and the positions. And one commonality was when I was able to be entrepreneurial, if it was a big company, because I've worked for Fortune 100 companies, um, as well as these tiny companies were entrepreneurial. Um, And so what I finally accepted was that I'm never going to fit in, but that's wonderful. Because they like me for not fitting in. And if they, if they only want someone who fit in, then I really don't belong there. So I was getting rewarded and, ex- and excelling because I was different. Um, and I know that when I ran my own business, when I first ran my own business, I loved it. And I, the reason it worked well was because I could do anything I wanted as long as I met certain goals for the company. So I was an entrepreneur. Um, And so I finally started to embrace this concept of, wait, everyone talks about fitting in, but why? I mean, if you fit in, then we're all the same. That that comes back to being a, a homogenous environment. So I realized that when you focus... And that uniqueness. First of all, you need to discover what it is. We talked earlier about self-awareness. I genuinely believe most people aren't self-aware. Now, when I say most, I don't mean 90%. I mean more than 50%. Well, here's, um, here's and, what I'll say though. HBR, yeah. HBR published a study on what they found to be the percent of people who are actually self-aware. Oh, what was it? 10%. Really? Oh, so it is yeah. 90. Okay, there you go. I was being generous because I didn't want people to get all upset and think, no, oh no, my no. gosh. They'll, they'll send the angry email to me, so you'll be Okay, listening. there you go. <laughs> so there you go. It is, it is truly a majority. So people are not necessarily self-aware. 
And so when you discover who you really are, and I would invite you to work with a coach for that typically, because I think a a coach, um, a business coach or a personal life coach, whatever resonates with you. and, And that is really how you can find out. Because it could be challenging to look in books and discover that. You could take a course on it. There are all sorts of different ways to start to unpack who you really are and then figure out what are my actual behaviors? What are my innate behaviors? Like I said, you know, I'm a very organized person. Um, I know what that stemmed from, a very disorganized upbringing. With that said, it is truly a strength. I literally can walk into any situation whether it is a business situation or an actual physical situation. And I literally get organized that quickly. Um, especially when a team's involved. It is gen- I've been in car accidents, bus accidents, and I literally am the one like running in to help uh, because that is my brain. That is how my brain works. What that also means is when there's disarray, it makes me uncomfortable. I can still function, but inside I'm really uncomfortable. But I know that about myself. I know my, I know that. And so I know that in order to feel better, I need to get organized quickly. I just know that. And so that's what I mean. You need to be honest with yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and be honest. You are not, you are human. You will have weaknesses, every one of us. And again, you will have those addictions, those behavioral tendencies. So I do behavioral consulting because it's, it's really important to focus on what your actual behaviors are. Mm-hmm. And again, embrace who you are, accept that this is who you are, can, and then take that and combine that with your skills. Now, your skills can be relearned every six months. You could change your skills very, very frequently. So that's really good. And make sure you are always learning. To me, if you are not learning, you are stagnating and life is dull. Your business will stagnate. It will only grow so far if you really want to go to the next level or you want to just stay at the level you're at. Because if you stay at that level too long, eventually there will be competitors. Mm -hmm. And if you are resting on your laurels, eventually those competitors will erode your market share. So you make sure that you are learning, make sure that you understand who you are, understand what all of the team members do. So I actually am hired by organizations, um, everything from startups to SMEs to Fortune 100 companies to really come on board and figure out from a behavioral standpoint, what are the actual behaviors of the team members? What are the behaviors of the leaders? Um, How is this impacting the organization? creating competitive advantages for the company, creating overall strategic roadmaps, as well as, you know, those skills. I've launched so many new products in my career, over a hundred, if not even more. Um, So coming in and what is your strategy to launch new products and all of this information that I just shared, it applies to everything. I always find that companies don't even know what they need. They always come to me with symptoms. I'm sure they do to you, with you as well. I mean, that's a big issue. I'd say that to me, I think that's the number one problem in any business is to identify what your symptom is, what your mm. problem is, not your symptom, right. and know who you are, know what your business is, know your strengths, know your competitive advantages. Mm. Um, and that's where I'm brought on board is to mm. actually stick, take a step back and say, well, that's what your goal is you're actually addressing a symptom. You'll never get there. You will mm. never get there. You may get there for a moment, but it's not sustainable. So well, they bring me on board to do that. It's The symptom is the money pit. 
You know, it's, 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 it's the toxic company that says, okay, it's time to do another team building. Yes. You know, but they haven't changed any of the actual behaviors that causes people to be disenfranchised or, you know, unloyal or demotivated or what have you, but it's a total money pit because it, I guess in the short term, it feels like, it feels like the immediate answer, you know, it's the bandaid, it's the cream or whatever. The, the other thing I would say is I'm a big, we talked about being truthful and trust. I'm such, that to me is one of the main points in any business. For any business to be successful, there has to be trust. There needs to be a united vision. Everyone needs to tie into it. There needs to be trust in leadership. I mean, all, I, I have six pillars of transformation. Um, and that is, it's fit, fit out. So the F is freedom of expression. Then you have um, intuitive action, which is you want to take action that is based on your intuition, which is your business savvy, um, as well as any data that's collected. Um, And then T would be team synergy. So you need a synergistic team and a real synergistic team, not just a group of people. And then O would be outcome focused. Now, there's a difference between outcome and output. A lot of companies are focused on output. Um, when you're outcome focused, you have the end goal. This is the end result I want to get to. And then you work backwards. I think when you start from the end, it gives you an actual way to work in a very systematized, a strategic manner to achieve it. Because there's a huge difference between outputs. That's what you're actually doing. Those are the action steps versus the outcome. And it's a lot easier to come up with the outputs once you already are focused on the outcome. And then you as United Vision, where the whole team and the leader, everyone buys in to the same vision and works towards it. And then um, T is trust and leadership. It's where the whole team has trust, but also the leader has to trust the team. Mm -hmm. So you need to give and extend that trust in order to get it back. And the way I work with my clients also is I use a strategy, which is called the three E's. So it's embrace, plus engage, plus evolve. So embrace means to understand who you are, exactly what we've been talking about. Really do a deep dive, understand what, your, what the problem is, the actual problem, um, and understand what your actual behaviors are in the whole team, what their behaviors are. The E, the next E is engage, which is to take action steps. And I would actually say these action steps need to be smart goals. They need to be specific. They need to be measurable. Um, And then E is evolved. That's when you have embraced, you've engaged, and now you actually will reach that end goal. Mm. So those are the ways that I work with my client. And, you know, I I just want to tell everyone, just the best way to think of this is when you feel that you don't fit in, that's wonderful. Mm. Understand why are you not fitting in? Are you not fitting in because everyone has group think and that group think actually is not innovating? Mm-hmm. Um, understand that you are not fitting out for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be times when you're fitting out and it's because you're being petulant or you're, you're actually not behaving in a way that is conducive to the team. Mm-hmm. And you need to be honest with yourself, um, which is being self-aware, as we talked about earlier. Um, but overall, when you don't fit in, it's, it's a good thing. Just you know, celebrate not fitting in and fit out. You remind me of... Um not you specifically, but what you're saying, remind, <laughs> you remind me of this person that, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds me actually of this company. This would have been maybe two or three years ago. And it was a team of like seven or eight and they were all women. And there was, what would happen on a Monday morning was everyone would come in and they would swap stories. And what'd you do this weekend? 
But there was one person who she wasn't very bubbly and she would come in and she would go straight to her office and basically get to work. Well, so the company ended up getting uh, bought out and the whole team was kept on except they had to cut one person. Oh no. And so as you can probably imagine, yeah. the person who was cut was the one who did not fit in. Yeah. But I remember in hindsight talking with this team and saying, I think you might've just cut your biggest producer. Exactly. Like you just cut exactly. the person because it's in, and you know, on her end, she probably could have managed the perception a little bit better, but sometimes we don't realize that, you know, even though you're not necessarily fitting in, so to speak, you know, you have a competitive edge, you have an advantage that um, is really contributing a lot more than you realize. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I think of when I think about what you're talking about. No, absolutely. And, and I agree with you. It is interesting. I, it, you know, had I consulted with the company, I would have wanted to understand why doesn't she fit in? Mm. And is it really just because she's not, she's not a socializer? Mm. Is that why? Um, or is it deeper? Mm -hmm. um, and then when you realize why she's not fitting in, as you said, they probably did cut out their best producer. So maybe they would have been better off getting rid of a person who's not producing as well, but is maybe the most popular on the team. Well, and, and that goes back to your comment on many businesses struggle to identify what really needs to happen within the business because yes. they're in the business, right? And so yes. perception is so tangible because you're right there living it. And so when you're thinking about who needs to go, it's, well, the seven of us are all so good friends. We're such a great team, but we're not getting any work done. Yeah. It, it's like that short-term feeling instead of being objective and, and not that everyone needs a coach or a consultant or anything, but, but being able to separate yourself a little bit and see what's really happening. I think that's just good advice for anybody. Well, so that's actually being self-aware and doing the 3000 foot view of yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes a very strong person and I don't just mean strong willed, but someone who's willing to face their face, who they really are, mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that, to really take that biggest step back. And again, that's why I think a consultant, a coach can help. I mean, I, I call it, it's, it's my term, the concept of outside insider. Whenever I work with a client, I want to be an outside insider. What that means is they need a fresh perspective because they've only gotten to some level and they need to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be an insider. I want to be an expert, as expert as I can in a very condensed period of time so that I could help this company mm -hmm. from a strategic standpoint get to the next level, mm -hmm. a way that they can no longer do on their own because mm -hmm. they are just staring at that blank wall and I'm taking a step back and I'm saying, wait a second, there's four walls in this room. You need to stop staring at the blue wall. Let's walk out of the room and look at the room as, as a whole. Mm. Um, and that's why I think an outside insider is really beneficial in, in producing that. I love it. Well, Julia, we're unfortunately out of time today. Aww. This has been <laughs> wonderful. Tell me, what is the one thing that my listeners can do right now to connect with you, to follow you? What's the one thing they need to do? Um, they should connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just under my name, Juliet Herman, J-U-L-I-E-T-H-E-R-M-A-N. And uh, I also have a, a, a website. Once you go to my profile, you will see the link. It's fyi.to slash Juliet Herman. Um, very simple, easy to remember. And um, I would actually, I want to leave everyone with these words, which is my tagline, but I 
believe in it so strongly. Don't fit in, fit out. I love it. I love it. Well, Julia, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Blake. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, hey, if you're a first-time listener, let me ask you, what the heck are you doing? You got to click that subscribe button because we're going to be bringing you more good advice from amazing guests who'll be joining the show in the near future. Also, if you enjoyed this episode specifically, definitely consider leaving a five-star review and absolutely make sure you follow Juliet on LinkedIn. I will put her profile link in this episode description. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.